0: So for those of you who are maybe visiting, haven't been here before, what we're doing is we're in a a series right now called Overcome, which comes from Revelation, where it says we'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so each week, we've uh, been doing an interview, a testimony, but shared in an interview style. And it has been phenomenal to, to hear the stories of God in the people of God. And there have been so many comments of... Oh, I didn't know that person like that. I'd never experienced them like that. Um, Or I can relate to that um, deeply. And um, so just a couple of notes as we continue this morning. When we're listening to Patty's story, who are we actually listening for? We're listening for God. Because who's the one who works in our lives in a relationship with him? It's the Lord. And so when we share our testimony, the, the reason why testimonies have so much power And so much impact is because it's God's story working in us. And so uh, this morning, as Patty's sharing some of her story, I would just encourage you, yes, listen to Patty. Get to know her better. But listen for the story of God um, in her life. And it's a powerful one. And I hope you're as blessed by it as I have been. And uh, Patty's one of those people that you meet her, and she's just, and I mean this, As an absolute blessing. She's just Patty. She's unique, and and there's no one you're going to meet quite like her, and and that is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and I hope that you get that in in this story this morning, just the uniqueness of who Patty is and who God made her to be, and she asked me to share the story before we start, so we sat down together on Tuesday morning uh, to go over her story, and I went over to her beautiful home, and she lives near French Creek, And she's got a big field in front of in front of her house. Um, And then French Creek is down there. And so she she had me choose where we were going to sit. She had three different options. And so I chose the living room because the sun was shining and I'm I'm a guy who likes the sun. And so I sat in the chair on the sun. And she said, if you sit there and you look out that big window in her living room, she said, "Uh, you might see an eagle. And she's like a real eagle, like a bald eagle. I was like, oh, that'd be cool. I, I, you know, I don't know if that'll happen, but cool. So I sat in that chair, and we spent a couple minutes just being quiet and praying, just listening to God. Before we did anything else, we just sat there and prayed and just listened to the Lord. And, and when that time concluded and, and I opened my eyes, there was this, this majestic, gorgeous bald eagle just swooped down right in front of us. It was incredible, right in front of our house. It just went, and that was like, oh my goodness, wow, the Lord is here, and he's blessing this time, and it was, it was evident from start to finish. So, Patty, welcome, and thanks for being with us this morning.
1: Oh, it was my pleasure. Um, I brought a chair uh, up with me because when Pastor came over on Tuesday, uh, the Lord told me to go get a chair for Jesus, so I did, and I put that in the living room with us. So, I have one here to remind me. And I want to open with some scripture. Um, Okay, so let's get the, this is chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40, 28 through 31. And this is an honor of pastor's eagle sighting. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth
0: Patty, thank you for uh, leading us in that this morning. The Lord, wh- while you were preparing for this morning, um, the Lord put on your heart a theme uh, for your story. So before, before we go into the details of your story, can you share with us that theme?
1: Yes, the theme is panic versus one God. Pan, the word, pan, he asked me to describe, he asked me to describe panic. Um, I like derivations of words. So uh, panic, the derivation is pan, and pan. Think of a panorama, like when you take a picture, a panoramic picture. It's of everything. So pantheism is where God is in everything. He's in the stone. He's in the chair. He's he's in everything.
0: Do you want to tie that in, or wait? I'll wait. Okay. All right. There's your cliffhanger. So the idea is is uh, at the beginning of the word panic, there's a the connection with with pantheism, where it's this panoramic panoramic view. And so, um, I'll, I'll add this because it's ahead. so helpful yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, one thing that happens in pantheism is there's constant panic because there's fear of everything. Yeah. There's fear of every demon behind every every spirit. Every tree's got a spirit. Every everything like that. And so, I've been in tribes in the Philippines that are pantheistic oh. that that it's like that. You. you very superstitious because there's a fear behind everything. So you'll see the connection as we go from there. So um, can you share with us about your uh, childhood? What was what was growing up like in, in your family? And can you hold the, the mic right up? Because I think it's a little bit quiet back there.
1: So I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. And I went to uh, Holy Rosary Catholic Church. And I was baptized there. And I... Had I was in school there, and I had my first Holy Communion. I think we have a picture of that. <laughs>
0: Aww. I'm not
1: going to look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Thanks. Uh, uh, so <laughs> thanks for taking it down. Yeah, so I had my... But the... Uh, I wasn't there long at the Holy Rosary Church and School because... Um, in fourth grade, there was a tad of an incident where I was sitting all the way in the back of the class and, um, uh, the sister Teresa, uh, threw an eraser at me. Now, Father Leinheiser, the head priest was standing in back of me. So I saw that eraser coming and I ducked, <laughs> poof, hit Father Leinheiser, so that did not go well. And then <laughs> the next thing I know, um, my parents took us out of Holy Rosary Catholic Church and school. So I don't know whether it was because of that event. We didn't. I was never told, but we were now out of, of the church and the school. But the seeds were planted, and one of the things I found out upon reflection is that the verse that uh, the Catholic Church used in my baptism was Isaiah 11.2. Um, so that is, uh, oh, they have it up here, but it's it's the, pre- I say this every morning now, it's asking for uh, the Holy Spirit, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's wise-heartedness, understanding, counsel, and the knowledge, power, and awe of who God is. Now that might be different from what you have, but there. Do you want to say? Do you want to read what they have there? Or it-
0: the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Thanks.
1: I can't read that far. So, <laughs> okay. Um, so that was the that was the beginning.
0: So um, your teenage years were rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. You-
1: I'm asking for mercy. Yeah. Because it's a very hard thing to remember. Yeah. But I. Wasn't uh, in school um, anymore, in Catholic school. I went to public school, and we, we weren't going to church at all. So harder than feeling guilty that my whole family left church because I ducked <laughs> um, was this idea of a mortal sin. So in the Catholic church, if you don't go to Sunday Mass, that is a mortal sin. So now my family's not going to church at all, and I'm living under this mortal sin. And I was just terrified of this in my core, in my inner being. I was just sick, (laughs) panicked, you might say. (laughs) So that brings me back to the panic. So that's my whole teenage years were panicked. I had thoughts of suicide from probably the age of nine until, I'm going to say, 20. I just, okay, how can I do this? How can I get out of this reality? Um, I, I think another child who had uh, some better coping skills could have coped better, but I did not do well. I didn't do well in school. I didn't do well with um, my relationships with anybody. I was, I was living in panic.
0: And um, you mentioned the thoughts of, of suicide, yeah. you were also having, uh, you shared with me pretty consistent dreams yeah. as well. Yeah,
1: dreams of how am I going to do this, how's it going to go down. It was, the, it was a constant thinking process mm-hmm. of how, how, to, how to go about doing that. And then in the middle of those years, I, I had to uh, go to CCD classes. Did anybody, anybody know what that is? Catechetical classes in the Catholic Church. So you had to go and get instruction. And boy, they took me there kicking and screaming because <laughs> nobody else was going to church in my family um, my parents and my two brothers and my sisters. So, wow, was that hard? Did not have fun. And then the other big thing in um, my teenage years was uh, I was about 14, I guess, and I was sitting on a corner just daydreaming, and I saw this big rock across the street. It was a big stone. And I'm I'm still looking for God, and I'm thinking, hmm, okay, well, God, I'll bet you God's in that rock. Uh, maybe he's there. I mean, I was so desperate looking for something to hold on to, so that's where I really became a 14-year-old pantheist. I'm like, okay, he's in the rock, he's in everything, I can, I can grab onto anything. The problem with that is, of course, when you're in trouble and you're drowning and you're trying to reach for stuff. Yeah, Yeah. just grasping for anything. (laughs) Just grasping. And so that just added more panic. Now I'm really just... I would use the word uh, sick, sick, inside.
0: And that, I mean, obviously... That season of life where there was so much fear and the thoughts of self-destruction and regular dreams about that that sort of thing uh, That led to some interesting choices and, oh, and yeah. difficult things when you were getting a little bit older Yeah,
1: okay, so one of the ways that I got out of that reality of, of sickness when I was a teenager was sleeping <laughs> I, I think I just slept my whole teenage years through people thought I was la- lazy But I was just, I think, severely depressed. And then I got, um, um, then I was 18, graduated high school, came to Pennsylvania. And I went to the Philadelphia Musical Academy, and my major was opera. Uh, I didn't do anything else. Well, I guess they thought I could sing a little bit. Uh, So I did that, but I didn't do well in school. I flunked out in two years. I had a failed marriage. Um, now I'm into smoking three packs of cigarettes a day, alcohol, whatever I could do to get out of this reality, drugs. Um, I was still looking, so I was into stuff like tarot cards, astrology, (sighs) Gumaraji. but I was just exhausted. I was just tired all the time, sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, it was tough.
0: That seems to be like the high point. In a negative way of the pantheistic lifestyle, the, the panic, the fear of everything was sort of culminating to a crystallization there at that point. I was looking
1: for a way out. <laughs> Is, does anybody know what they're doing? Is there any way out of this reality?
0: Then the Lord sent someone.
1: He did. And you're <laughs> he did, yeah. I, uh, I met my husband in my um, mid-20s. Corey, and he here was a man, a person of integrity and honor and honesty, and for some odd reason, uh, he had a heartfelt love for me. I think God gave him a heartfelt love for me, and he believed in me, and he saw potential in me, and he, we got married, and we moved to Spring City. Uh. Six miles from right here, yeah.
0: Been there ever since. Been there
1: ever since thirty-five years.
0: Um, during during that that time, your grandma nanny came and lived with you and yeah. ended up having a huge impact on your huge. life. Huge.
1: So uh, after we had been here for a couple of years, um, my paternal grandmother, I called her nanny, came to live with us. She was eighty-seven. She was blind and hard of hearing, and she had been going to a Methodist church for 40 years, but she was too frail to go to church, so I called the Methodist churches in this area, and uh, Pastor Nisley and his wife Linda from Bethel Methodist came out and visited her. (laughs) You're nodding your heads. Uh, Came out and visited her once a week, and when they came... Linda brought her guitar and they would sing praise songs in my living room with Nanny and she would she would sing and I'm thinking oh good nanny sitting <laughs> I'm out of here so I would leave I I wouldn't stay cuz I that was just I had already decided that Christianity was like not all, not going to happen did not like my experience early on so um I'm thinking, why are they doing that? Why are they singing to Jesus? That It kind of seemed like a waste of time to me, where I was at at the time. But I kept, every week that they would come, I kept getting closer and closer and closer to that door because they shut the door where they were. And I kept closer and closer and closer and closer. What? So one day, he opened the door. I was standing right there. <laughs> I thought, like, "What are you guys doing? Why would you do this? I don't get it." Because uh, they would, you know, be reading and you know all this for like an hour. So he said, "Well, um, let me give you something to read." I said, "Okay, make it easy because I'm not a good student." So they gave me the daily bread. It's a little devotional. You're nodding your heads. I said, and at the bottom of that. Um, was a, a reading for a Bible. Now I have never read a Bible, and I'm 34 years old now. <laughs> so uh, I started reading the Bible, the, this little daily bread, and the Bible to my grandmother every morning. Okay, so and it, all of a sudden, my relationship with my my grandmother and my my father and my family and everybody, wow, uh, it just changed. So I started having these really great relationships with people. And then uh, my grandmother lived with us for two years and then she, she died. So now, now I'm thinking, okay, well, good, I don't have to do that anymore. So I'm not going to read the Bible. She's gone. I'm not going to do that for myself. Uh, you know, I could do it with her, for her. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. But God, uh, I could not get those scripture words out of my head. I started dreaming about the scripture that I read. I just could not get it out of my head. So I think, well, if I if I think about reading the Bible again, I'm going to have to answer some pretty big questions like, I didn't believe Jesus was the son of God. I didn't believe in the resurrection. How do people get to the point of believing in that? Uh, no. So I went out to the backyard, and I did believe in God. So I'm like, all right, God, is this true that Jesus is the son of God? Is the resurrection true? Um, But I didn't hear anything, so no answer. So I uh, stopped thinking about all of that, and I threw myself into work for the next two years. So then um, now I'm 36. And out of the blue in the kitchen one day I I, I felt prayed for I was like what's that <laughs> so there was this lady who went to Bethel church and she was my neighbor and for some reason she came up into my mind and I called her I said Debra uh, by any chance would you be praying for me she said yeah how'd you know I don't know <laughs> So she said, yeah, we are having this Jesus 101 class at Bethel Methodist, and I was praying that you would would come. I said, okay, I'll come.
0: Can I I pause there for one second? Hear that story. Do, Do you hear that, church? There was someone who just knew Patty as a neighbor who took the time to pray for her by name. She heard God. He touched her heart. She calls that neighbor, and the neighbor's like, yeah, I was praying for you today. You have neighbors that don't know the Lord, that do not know what it's like to be free in Jesus Christ. Pray for them by name. Amen? All right.
1: Uh, Yeah, okay, so she said this Jesus 101 class, so... That was the next night. So I went to this class at Bethel Methodist, and there was Pastor Dave Nisley and Sue Cook. Maybe some of you know who's, yeah, see your head's nodding. She was at Bethel Methodist at the time. So, um, and then there were eight people who came to this Jesus 101 class. So Pastor Nisley says, all right, um, well, I'm going to ask you all who you think Jesus is. So each of the people who came to the class told who they thought Jesus was. And the whole time they're doing that, I'm thinking, man, I hope there's one other person who doesn't have something to say because I I don't have a clue. <laughs> zero. But every one of them had something to say. And so then it was quiet. And I, and I just said, I don't know what you people are talking about. I don't know who you're talking about. I... Uh. No. So we, I went home and I just felt defeated, and I think I cried that whole night. Um, so that was um, in in January of 1988, and yes, I know the date. It was January 14th, 1988, because the next day was a big day in my life. Um, so I woke up and I'm thinking, okay, let's revisit this. these two questions. Is Jesus the son of God and was he resurrected? I can't do the same thing I did the first time, which was I asked God if that were true. I went out in the backyard and asked him if these things were true when I got no answer. But I, I realized that My motive was, I just want to know to know. I'm not going to, not that I'm going to change or anything like that. (laughs) I just want to know. So let's have a different motive. What could be another motive? Um, And I thought, okay, well, I could get to the end of my life um, without God and without knowing these questions, and I think I'll be okay. But I don't think it's going to be my best life. From what I've seen from these Christians in this area, I, I don't think that's going to be my best life that, that I could have. So, all right, God, I, I want to know. I really want to know so I can have my best life. And I asked him in my kitchen is that whether Jesus was the son of God and whether the resurrection is true. And I didn't hear anything. Uh, here we go again. I'm ready to give up again. And then I walked into my porch, and I just dropped to the floor, and I just sobbed. I was like, okay, I'm not going to know this, and I'm sad about that. So then the phone rings, and it's Pastor Nisley's wife, Linda. That's interesting timing. So I told her all of that, and she said, um, Patty, before you give up, can I ask you three questions? I said, Okay go. She said, do you believe in God? I said, yes, I do believe in God. She said, do you believe he's all, that God is all powerful? Yeah, I believe he's all powerful. And then she says, do you believe that he could perform the miracle of sending his son and uh, having him be resurrected? I sort, in a way, I felt like I felt trapped. Like, well, I just said he was all-powerful. <laughs> 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 and then my second thought was, what just happened? Before she started that question, I absolutely, without a doubt, did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God or that there was a resurrection was true. Now, in the middle of that question... I knew that it was true. I knew that Jesus was the Son of God. I knew that the resurrection was true. How did that happen? <laughs> How did that happen? So I told her I'd have to get back to her.
0: <laughs> you, I, you didn't do the Christian thing and so say, I'll pray about it. No. Okay. I, I didn't know about that. Yeah, No.
1: No. So I hung up the phone and I just sort of went along with my day just like it was a regular day. I just sort of, well, that probably wasn't real. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going around Phoenixville and Potsdam doing my chores and stuff. And then I'm coming home and I'm driving down Pewtown Road, if any of you know Pewtown Road. I'm driving down Pewtown Road and the turn to my house is coming up which is on the left, or the turn to Bethel Methodist is a right-hand turn. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, here's an opportunity. This is a new way. I have a chance for a new way of life if I come to that intersection and turn right. I think this is a new way of life. But if I turn left, I think I'm going to go back to my, where I was before this happened. So I'm um, like, I start to cry, cry. And I have this vision of me as a little girl, all dressed in white, kind of like that picture that you saw in the beginning. And I'm thinking, okay, well, well, she shares it again. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'm going to turn right. So I cried the whole way down Bethel Road. I get to the, what do you call the pastor's parsonage or whatever, yeah. And they're eating dinner, Pastor Nisley and, and our pastor uh, Dave and, and Linda. And they come out. I tell them the whole story, and they said, "Oh, you've been born again." I said, "What's that?" <laughs> oh, they were so excited. I was—I had no idea, oh, what that meant or whatever. And I said, "Okay, well, where do we start?" They said, "Well, we'll give you a Bible. You can you can start reading the Bible." And uh, I said, "Well, make it easy." because I'm not a good student. So they gave me a children's version of the Good News Bible. And and, and Linda was going, look, it has pictures in it, and they're, they're colored. <laughs> okay. So I left. They were so excited. So I got, went home, and honestly, I, I put the Bible on the kitchen counter. I don't know whether I would have ever read it or not. And... Uh, that night I got so sick, which was rare for me. I don't get so sick that I cannot get out of bed, but I got sick that night. And I said, "Well, I've got that Bible, so I I got that." And I, Pastor Nestle had told me to start reading the New Testament. So I read Matthew one one through the beginning of Revelation in four days, and I, I got it. I understood what it meant. I even not being a great student, I like. It was like, it was, I, I can't explain it to you. It was like, <laughs> off the page and into me. I was like, <laughs> that's the word, that's the sound I'll use. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blew, blew me back there. Yeah, so, so I said, oh, well, who can I talk to? I got to talk to somebody about this when I was reading, you yeah? know? So I called Pastor Dave. He said, cool, come. I, he talked, you know, he would talk to me once a week. So I went over to his office and, uh, The very first thing he was talking to me about is why Jesus died. Okay. Um, He said, Well, he he died. um, So, um, you know, when you ask for your sins, when you ask him for forgiveness, he will forgive you. He promises he will forgive you. You will be forgiven. I'm like, Okay. So I went into the Bethel Church sanctuary there. And I'm sitting down there, I'm sitting in the pew, and I'm like, uh, okay, I'm supposed to think of some sins. I couldn't think of anything. I'm 36, churchless for 30, all those years, but I couldn't think of anything. I'm just kind of looking around, and all of a sudden something came off. I like, oh, yeah, you hurt that person. That's probably one. Uh, okay, you hurt yourself. Yeah, that's probably another one. Uh, and then it, they were gentle. It came up gently like this. And, and after a while, I realized that I could probably be sitting there for the rest of the afternoon. And my head just fell in my hands. And I just asked Jesus to forgive every sin in my past. And then I looked up, and I don't know how many of you know Bethel Church. Bethel Church. But there's, they're in their sanctuary, they have a stained glass window of there you go. Uh, I have a stained glass picture of Jesus with a lamb in his arms. So when I looked up, this is the first thing I saw, and then click. I wasn't connected before with God, but I got it. Okay, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus loved me that much. Well, I'm connected now in my heart this time. (laughs) I'm in the arms of Jesus now.
0: Amen. So I wanna make sure that you have time to talk about uh, the other big piece of your story. So can we go there and now? And can you tell us um, about the last two years and uh, your journey?
1: Okay. So, God brought me here to um, PFC about five and a half years ago. And uh, so I was here about four four years. And... Uh, in June of 2016, Josh, Pastor Josh Hostetter, asked me to uh, get up and talk about what it meant to be uh, have a relationship with Jesus. So uh, I, I focused on Jesus the whole week before I did that, and one uh, thought kept coming up over and over and over all week. All right, God, I hear you. And it was, praise God no matter what. No matter what was happening, praise God. Okay. And so I gave that as part of my, my testimony when I got up. And that was June of 2016. And then on August 14th, 2016, um, I found my husband. And uh, I looked out the window, and he, had, he, was, he was gone. He passed away. So I walked outside and uh, I called 911. And as I stepped away, took a step away from my husband, I felt God uh, put his coat on me. And I had, and it was, it had. Diamonds and rubies and sapphires and emeralds. It was just, and upon reflection now I see it was his armor of light that all those gems were like reflecting this light. And I was just, I felt uh, calm. God gave me his calm in that moment, and I was calm. And uh, I talked to uh, Pastor Hostetter that night, and he said, well, Patty, um, don't you remember uh, that... This morning at church, because my husband died on a Sunday, Sunday night, he said, don't you remember this morning you told me that you felt uh, that God put this code on you? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God prepared me for my husband's death the morning of his death. Not only that, but he prepared me two months beforehand when he told me, uh, about the, uh, pat, you know, uh, to praise him through no matter what, because on the ambulance ride over to the hospital that night when my husband died, I'm saying, "Praise you, God! You have a, you have a plan." You know, I want to be in it. Praise you, praise you, praise you. So God prepared me two months before for my husband's death. So <laughs> that was that was pretty pretty amazing. The struggle that I had was um, I wasn't with my husband when he died, and he was only 15 feet from me. Um, It was August. It was hot. We had the blinds closed, um, the air conditioning on, so I didn't see him. I didn't hear him. I didn't know, and so I really struggled with that, and I struggled with that for about five weeks, and then I was sitting, finally. I did a Matthew eleven twenty eight, and I turned that over to him. I said, "Look, I can't carry this anymore. I, but I know who to come to, so I'm coming to you. Help!" And um, he said, "I said I didn't hear him. I didn't see him. I wasn't holding his hand." Ugh. And I heard God say to me, "I saw him. I heard him. I was holding his hand." And I led him like a little child. Okay, I can let that go. So that was um, important. And the another thing I heard a little bit later on was um, <laughs> I was praying, and God said, you know, Patty, everybody is wearing this coat. Everybody is wearing my coat. Some don't know it but everybody is wearing my coat, okay.
0: <laughs> I think this is important. Um, I'll let the Lord apply it. Um, one thing that we had, you had talked to me about was different people's reactions to how you were going through the grieving process and sort of putting expectations, you're not crying enough you don't look sad enough. I'm too calm. You're too <laughs> calm. And, like, that actually came from Christians more than? It was
1: an even mix.
0: Okay. Okay. Those
1: people in general, yeah. So I had to go to uh, Pastor Josh, uh, who's a uh, counseling pastor. I went to his office, and um, he said to uh just let them know that I'm on my own journey with God through this and that I'm on my own journey with God through this. <laughs> and that was very helpful. Yeah. The, I would just want to say, that, excuse me, that the, what did help me were the people who, were, who encouraged me. He said, Patty, you know, you really, uh, wow, you're, you're a rock. And I said, well, I'm not a rock, but I know the rock. <laughs> Standing on the rock, <laughs> and that's just. But, but the people, the, the encourage. The, you know, I felt encouraged. The people who encouraged me—that's what raised me up, and I stand a little taller after they left. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Can you share with us um, what uh, what you're doing right now at home, just quickly, about, about honoring uh, Corey?
1: Well, my goal. In this survival mode is it, that I'm in, is to honor what it's like to be a child of God through this uh, grief process, and also um, to honor what it was like to be Mrs. Corey Kessinger. So that is what I'm doing.
0: And and Corey um, was an architect, or, or he had he had drawn up all sorts of plans for the oh, house yeah. and you're you're kind of seeing those to completion now.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, we, he had, he, we were both retired and he had plans and I'm trying to move get the house back in order. <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
0: Anything else that you'd like to share with us this morning?
1: Well, I just wanna uh, thank God for um, having me be exactly hmm. where he knew I needed to be and that's here at, at PFC. And I do have a scripture that I want to end with. I have to put this down. Thank you for your patience. This is from Isaiah 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. Yay! Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert.
0: Patty, thank you so much for sharing your story with us this morning and what God's doing in your life. One reflection, and I shared this with you, so I hope hope this is okay (laughs) for me to say, just a reflection of our time together, having gotten to know you a little bit. Um, some people get older, and they get older. S- some people get older, and they get younger um, in, in their spirit because there's such rejuvenation in in the Lord. And I aspire to be like that um, in, in the way that you walk with youthful joy, but with maturity of, of age. And I thank God for that. And for anyone who has not experienced that, that um I would highly recommend getting to know Patty and uh getting to experience that for yourself, so uh Josh, are you in here jeho joho Josh how's her um Josh is going to lead our time of uh reflection, and then uh praise team come on up so that we can go right into into song.
2: hey, Patty, thank you. It's beautiful um so I'd like to. Just share. Sorry, can I responding to you if that's okay? Um, and share with you what I have for you. Um, so you have this phrase, "Make it easy," because I'm not a good student, and um, this is not a. Uh, I hear that. I think it can be easy to hear that with a lack of confidence assurance in yourself. I hear that as a statement of humility. Um, And because I think what I heard from your testimony this morning is that you're actually a phenomenal student, but not academics, right? Not as the way that we culturally, but you're a phenomenal student because you have allowed God full access to your spirit and to your heart. Um, and so I have this passage that just came to mind, and this is, um, I think, it's interesting. I, like, to, I want to read, what I want to do is read to you what God thinks of you. But what I feel he's asking me to read is what your heart says about him. So this is uh, the Song of Solomon. This is uh, chapter 2. Verses 8, it says, and this is, um, you know, the bride, and you're a part of the bride of Christ speaking to her beloved. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig trees ripen as its figs, and the vines are in blossom, they give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. O oh, my dove in the clefts of the rock in the crannies of the cliff let me see your face let me hear your voice your voice your voice is sweet and your face is lovely catch the foxes for us the little foxes that spoil the vineyards for our vineyards are in blossom my beloved is mine and i am his he grazes among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee, turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. Um, the intimacy that you have with the Father is is beautiful. And, um, you know, as uh, one of the parts is talking about for us to come up here and speak is a word for the person who shared and then a word to the congregation. And it's hard to put into words someone else's relationship with God. And, um, but as I was reflecting, um, I heard two things and they're pretty common. Um, they're the great commandment, which is to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love our neighbor as ourself. And then the other one is uh, the great commission, to go forth and make disciples. And the thing that I heard um, from you this morning, and I think God has for us, is when we think about those things, we are such of that mindset and the culture to do. And so we go out And we think about how do we accomplish these two things? How do we accomplish loving our neighbor? How do we accomplish loving God? How do we accomplish making disciples? And in what God has done through you, you have spoken his love and compassion to so many people. And you have made so many disciples because you, like, you just live in intimacy with him. And, um, I think that is for us as the body to know that being in relationship with God is fulfillment of those two things. Um, And so I hope that we can kind of reflect on that and take away from that this morning. So let me pray for Patty and for us as a body. Father God, I thank you for your daughter. Thank you for her, uh, her courage and humility to share with us this morning. And uh, we just continue to pray blessing over her relationship with you, Father. That even um, the depths with which she experiences you, Father, it would go much, much deeper. And that her life would continue to reflect the light of Christ. That she would walk with that coat of many colors and beautiful gems, sparkling and shining, Lord, because it is the light of Christ radiating off of her. We thank you for that. And Father, for us as the body, that the intimacy and the relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior, our groom, Father, that we would be able to walk in vulnerability and transparency of a passionate, pursuit, and that as we would come to awareness of the coats that we wear, that we would not make decisions based on the criticisms or opinions of others, but that we would continue to walk knowing that, Father, you hold our spirit in your hands, that you hold us as your children, as your sons and your daughters in your hands, and that just being with you, Father, gives us what we need to love others well, and make disciples. In your name, amen.